It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt. Welcome Jr. in, everybody. Kirk episode 675 of the podcast. We. The Intro Sports yeah. Podcast presented oh, by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Monday, March 20th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope you are ready for another wall-to-wall, action-packed episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We are going to spend the entire show reacting to the two days of awesome round of 32 games. That is right. We are down to a sweet 16. This is what today's show is going to look like. We are going to open with these Sunday games, the games that just finished probably about six or seven hours from when you listen to this show. Gonzaga TCU goes final around midnight Eastern time on Sunday. We're reacting first thing Monday, and we're going to talk about all the big games from Sunday first. Kentucky, Kansas State. Calipari, what does it mean? What does it mean for them? What does it mean for Kansas State? All that good stuff. We will talk about a dominant UConn effort. By the way, UConn fans don't think I'm going to make it to Vegas this week, but I still love you guys. We'll talk about the TCU-Gonzaga game. We'll talk about Xavier advancing, Indiana losing, Creighton winning, all that good stuff. Oh, by the way, number two seed Marquette in the East region is out. And then we will take a quick break, come back, and we will hit on the Saturday results. How about Arkansas? How about that big pig invasion taking down Kansas? We will discuss them. Tennessee beating Duke, San Diego State, all of that good stuff from Saturday. So we'll open on Sunday. We'll, we'll finish on Saturday, and then the rest of the week, I'll just be blunt. We'll do a Tuesday show where we probably break down, you know, some coaching carousel news or whatever, and then either Wednesday or Thursday, we will preview these awesome, awesome, awesome Sweet 16 games uh, because we got some great games coming up. Before we get started really quickly, I do just want to thank all of you for being part of the Aaron Torres pod bracket challenge courtesy of bracket fanatics i don't know about you guys my bracket is completely busted my picks were terrible i had arizona marquette in the final four i'm an idiot ignore me but i do want to thank bracket fanatics for everything they've done for the aaron torres pod three years in a row they have been our official bracket challenge sponsors and then oh by the way it's worth noting we did our nfl pick'em challenge with them as well and it's important to note Just because you filled out your brackets, some of you are still in it, some of you are not. Oh, by the way, make sure you check those standings on Monday morning, bracketfanatics.com. 
bracket name Aaron, even if you're out, just remember this. If you like sports and you follow a sport with a bracket, Bracket Fanatics has you covered. If you like college basketball, if you like tennis, if you like soccer, if you like golf, if you like rugby, if you like cricket, whatever the sport is, if you like a sport with brackets, Bracket Fanatics has you covered. You can join other people's brackets or you can start your own brackets. Here's the cool part. You can you can start a free bracket. Everybody enters for free. Or you can start a bracket where people pay. And if they pay, guess what? All the payments go in through Bracket Fanatics. Bracket Fanatics pays out everything. You do not touch a dollar. So, NCAA tournament, we are down to 16 teams. If you're part of the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge, thank you for signing up. For those of you, unlike me, that still have a chance to win it, best of luck going forward. And if you have not signed up for your own bracket, if you have not created your own brackets, remember, any sport that you want to be part of that has a bracket, go to BracketFanatics.com. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, uh, let's start with the Sunday games. We'll get to the Saturday stuff later, but let's start with the more topical Sunday stuff. And it really didn't take us that long to get our first marquee result of the day. Obviously, first game, Xavier takes care of Pitt. We'll talk about that momentarily. But let's start with that second game, about a 2.30, 2.45 Eastern time tip. As Kentucky takes on Kansas State in the East region, six versus three matchup. Kentucky, as the sixth seed, was actually a slight favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook coming into this game. Unfortunately, it did not work out for Kentucky fans. Final score in this one, 75 to 69. Kansas State gets the win. Kansas State, it's star point guard Marquise Noel. They are headed to New York. Marquise Noel is from New York. They're headed there for the East Regional Semifinals for the Sweet 16. Kentucky, meanwhile, headed home second straight year in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So I want to hit on this from a million different angles. We'll talk about the Kansas State perspective, the Kentucky perspective momentarily, but a couple things stand out off the top. One, this was, for the most part, a great college basketball game. Now, the refs kind of marred it at times, so we're going to talk about that momentarily, but let's give credit. This is what makes this tournament so special. In a lot of ways, it reminded me a little bit of the Arkansas-Kansas game on Saturday where every single possession, every single moment, everything felt so big. Every possession, every turnover, every make, every miss. And I thought we got something close to an awesome effort from both teams. Now, individually, there were some players that struggled. We'll discuss them. But it was a great game. Back and forth. Kentucky up early. Kansas State makes its run before the half. Kentucky makes its run out of halftime. And then it was just back and forth from there. I'll also say, before we get to the individual teams, didn't think it was the best day for the refs. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying the refs are the reason that Kansas State won, but I thought from the beginning they didn't really know they didn't really have like a grip on this game. Marquise Noel got a couple cheapy fouls called in his favor. Uh, you know, he kind of beat a guy off a dribble, then somebody tries to 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 reach from behind and he gets a foul call. I would add late it was really what spurred Kansas State's uh, uh run late in the game was a a foul call where it looked like he was trying to pass the ball, he gets credit for shooting it. I don't think that the refs did a very good job uh, refereeing Oscar Sheepway. I don't think they knew what to do with him. Every single possession he's getting hit at, what's a foul, what's not. So again, refs are not the reason Kansas State won, but I didn't think it was a very good game from them. But let's talk about these two teams because I, I, I think they're two fascinating stories that need to be discussed more in length. And let's actually start with Kansas State because as I always say, the more interesting story is often in the losing locker room. But I don't want Kentucky losing and the conversation that inevitably comes from that from diminishing the Kansas State story. 
And we've talked about Kansas State on this show before. They are one of the best stories in college basketball right now. They were a team that was picked to finish 10th in the preseason. Remember, Bruce Pearl gets fired last offseason. Jerome Tang gets hired. Only two players from Bruce Pearl, Bruce Weber. I think I said Bruce Weber, but Bruce Weber was the coach, not Bruce Pearl. If I said Bruce Pearl, I apologize. But only two players are holdovers from Bruce Weber's previous regime, one of them being Marquise Noel. And then Jerome Tang just got to work in the portal. And the one thing I respect about Jerome Tang, if you follow what he did, it wasn't just about signing the biggest names or guys specifically from one school. It was guys that fit. It was pieces that fit. It was putting together a really awesome team. Desi Sills, that lead guard who played at Arkansas State last year, the year before he played at Arkansas in their first Elite Eight run a few years ago. Naquan Tomlin, that big guy that gave Kentucky fits. I told you earlier last week, I said, I don't think Kentucky has an answer for that kid down low, Naquan Tomlin. Uh, certainly Keontae Johnson, who didn't even play that well. I remember talking to Jerome Tang in the summer, and he talked about fit and personality and guys meshing. Well, we saw that on the court on Saturday, on Sunday, and we saw it all season long. This is a really good Kansas State team. Beat Kansas at home, beat Texas on the road. Really, really, really good team. Finished third place in the Big 12. I'd also be remiss, before we get to Kentucky, if I did not give credit to Marquise Noel, that star guard from Kansas. I thought he was incredible. Best player on the floor. Listen, I didn't like some of the calls that he got in his favor, but that's what a good player does. 5'7 guard, 27 points, 9 assists, 3 steals, behind the back pass. Even if you're a Kentucky fan, you can be miserable, but you can appreciate that performance that he had. He was unbelievable. And by the way, isn't this why we love the NCAA tournament? Don't we love the NCAA tournament? Because a 5'7 point guard who started his career at Little Rock goes up against Kentucky with all their future NBA draft picks and All-Americans and everybody that they got, and he's the best player on the floor. So credit to him because obviously he controlled the game at so many different moments, and he was the reason that Kansas State won. With that said, though, we do have to switch gears and talk about things from the Kentucky perspective. Um, and I have so many thoughts, right? And, and so let's get into it. Let's discuss. And, and it goes without saying, like, this is obviously just a crushing, disappointing end to what has been a crushing, weird, bizarre, crushing is probably not the right word, but just a strange season overall. Start with the hype. You lose to Michigan State. You struggle early. You figure it out. Then every time it feels like you've turned a corner, guess what happens? You lose a game you shouldn't have, and that results in what where we are today with Kentucky season being over. Now, in terms of the game itself, let me just say this. Throughout the season, it has felt like every single turn, John Calipari has been blamed for something. His offense isn't modern. His defense isn't good enough. His recruiting isn't right. He focuses too much on the portal. He doesn't have enough high school players. He has too many high school players. Why is he playing this guy? His lineup stink. Every single thing that John Calipari does as the coach of Kentucky is criticized, as it should be. If you're the coach of the Lakers, Notre Dame football, Ohio State football, Alabama football, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, that is part of the responsibility that comes with the job. But at the same time, let me just say this from the Kentucky perspective. I don't know what John Calipari was supposed to do on Sunday. And I will say, I'll give Big Blue Nation credit. I always say this about Big Blue Nation, Kentucky fans. They are very passionate, but you guys and girls are an incredibly smart fan base. And when this game goes final, I expect everybody to be going after John Calipari. He's the worst thing ever. Fire him. He's got to go. Blah, 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 this and that. 
I didn't really get that sense from the fan base. Now we have dumb idiot national media members that are trying to take shots at Cal that are, are, are taking shots at them. But from the fan perspective, I didn't see that. And I don't know how this one falls on John Calipari. Now, again, you're paid $8 million a year. I get that. I understand that, you know, like he, he, like, like this is part of what comes with that huge salary is the responsibility when you lose. But when I look at this game and I see a Kentucky 75, 69 loss, I'm sorry. I can't blame John Calipari for two reasons. One, Kansas State's a really good team. And by 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 blaming this all on Calipari and saying it's the worst thing that's ever happened, you're diminishing what John Calipari did, what, 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 what Kansas State did all season, building a team that was good enough to get a three seed. But beyond that, watch the basketball guys and girls. And thankfully, Kentucky fans, you guys are really smart and you watch the game. I know we want to criticize John Calipari for the offense, for the defense, for this, uh, the, the rotations, for this, for that. Guess what? He had two players that coming into this game averaged 27 points per game, Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves. And I don't want to blame young kids and they're doing their best. And I'm not saying anybody was purposely being bad. But when you get 27 points on average from those two guys, when Antonio Reeves scored 37 points, two weeks and a day from this game at Fayetteville, and you get a combined two points from them, into the final minute of the game. I don't know what the coach is supposed to do. Now Reeves had five points in the final minute. So obviously the stat sheet doesn't quite reflect that, but Jacob Toppins, a fourth year, senior third year at Kentucky, Antonio Reeves, fourth year in college basketball transfer from Illinois state. I'm not saying anybody purposely wasn't trying to play their best, but at the same time, I don't know what the coach is supposed to do. I thought early in the game, they were getting good looks. I thought Kentucky was actually getting a ton of good looks. Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, whoever, and they just weren't converting him. Thought Oscar Shibway carried him early. Cason Wallace carried him late. But when you're counting on getting something, literally anything, from Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves, and you get two points the entire game, I don't know what the head coach is supposed to do. And so now the offseason begins at Kentucky. And I'll just say this. I think the frustrating part for a Kentucky fan is this. There's nothing to really, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. And by the way, feel free. Email me, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at, at gmail.com. DM me on Instagram. DM me on Twitter. I don't know what Kentucky, well, what do you say after a loss like this? Because the last two years, so 2020, the season ends, you have a team good enough to win the national championship. But the last two years, the season ends, and I think there were real issues to address and real gripes to have going into the offseason. 2021 was, of course, that COVID year. If you remember, they were awful, whatever it was, 8-15 and 15 or whatever. I don't even remember what the, the, the final was. That offseason, everything had to change. That offseason, you had to change your coaching staff. Recruiting had dipped. You weren't hitting the portal well enough. You were getting high school players, but they weren't good enough. Recruiting had to change. Style of play had to change. You were a terrible three-point shooting team. You didn't have guards that could beat people off the dribble. You didn't have guys that could make open threes. Coaching staff wasn't good enough. Recruiting wasn't good enough. Well, guess what? That offseason, they changed the coaching staff. They updated the recruiting. They got a couple shooters in the portal. C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady, who has since graduated. Then last offseason, you used the St. Peter's. And St. Peter's was a completely different thing, right? The year before, you were miserable during the entire regular season. Last year, you were good during the regular season, but you have the most disappointing loss in program history. And it was at that point that you say things got to change too. 
can't be losing to a 15 seed. And so this whole year was built on getting back to the NCAA tournament. Now they did break a three-year drought without winning an NCAA tournament game, which was a BS narrative to begin with. But now you go into the offseason, you just lost to another really good team. And I think we understand that we're probably past the point where John Calipari is just going to overwhelm you with talent. Although we'll see next year, number one ranked recruiting class. But I, I don't know what to say. I don't have a good answer because I, I don't know what the next step forward is. I think you, if you're Kentucky, you're just another really, really, really good team whose season ended on Sunday, whose season ended this week in the round of 32 or the round of 64. I don't think there's some major wholesale change to make, and I don't think you can make it anyway. One, from the Cal Perry perspective, Cal Perry isn't going anywhere. I think we all understand that. Texas, I, 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 I mean, Rodney Terry has him in the Sweet 16, just won the Big 12 tournament. We're getting closer and closer to Rodney Terry getting that job, and I don't think Cal's going anywhere else. I guess if the NBA called, maybe you're interested. And by the way, Kentucky fans, don't start with me on the buyout. Understand John Calipari can leave Kentucky without paying anybody. Now, they can't fire him because of the buyout, but he can leave without having to pay them very much, if anything. So Calipari's not going anywhere, and I think the roster's mostly set, right? You have the number one ranked recruiting class, headlined by DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, um, Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards. And I think most of the roster is pretty much set around it. Now, you'll probably lose most of the guys that Kentucky had on the court this weekend. I assume Oscar Shibway, even though he has his COVID year, will be gone. I assume Jacob Toppin, even though he has his COVID year, will be gone. I assume Severe Wheeler, even though he has a COVID year, will be gone. Not sure about Antonio Reeves, as bad as he was on Sat on Sunday. I think he's going to return. I actually think he fits very nicely with the pieces that they'll have. Same with CJ Frederick, but I don't really know what else there is to say. Roster set for this year, and now the offseason begins. We'll find out who's staying. We'll find out who's going. But it's disappointing. It's disappointing because, you know, listen, I'll say this. You know, you say this as a fan of any team in college basketball. When you lose, you want to sit there and say, we gave it our all and we just lost to a better team. Or there was something out of our control that didn't allow that to happen. You know, some teams just lost to better teams, right? Um, whoever, I don't know. You know, Maryland lost to Alabama. They were just a better team. Um, sometimes stuff's out of your control. There's an injury. There's a this, there's a that, there's whatever. Bill Self isn't on the sidelines for Kansas. But for Kentucky, the season's over. And now it'll get interesting in the offseason as they try to figure out what's the next step. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's get to some of the other results from Sunday, and then we'll obviously bounce back on Saturday, hit, hit on everything that happened on Saturday. But what I would really say about Sunday is that 
outside of Michigan State Marquette, which we'll talk about in a minute, I don't know that there were like major, crazy, super marquee results from Sunday, but I do just kind of want to rip through some of them. And let's start in the beautiful city of Albany, New York. That is right. I am talking about my Yukon Huskies. Friday, they took care of the Iona Gales. Sunday, they play the St. Mary's Gales. That is right. The rare back-to-back game against the Gales. And they take care of business. Final score in Albany, 70-55. to 55. couple things stand out about this game. One, I do think you can legitimately say that their starting center, UConn center, Adama Sanogo, uh, playing maybe his best basketball of his career, 24 points, 8 rebounds on Sunday. This after a 28-13 and 13 performance on Friday against Iona. Worth noting, Iona coach Rick Pitino, at least he's the Iona coach right now, said after the game, UConn is the best team he has seen all year, uh, and he believes they have everything they need to win a national championship. He said as much to Dan Hurley following that game. He said, hey, go win a title. You got a team to do it. And really, that's my only other takeaway from UConn. I'm not going to spend 20, 30 minutes breaking down UConn basketball here. You guys and girls know how I feel about them. We have rode the roller coaster together. I thought they were the best team in the country in November. They very clearly struggled in January at the start of Big East play, but they hit their stride in February. They have playing been playing great basketball, and I believe they're playing as well as anybody in the country. They have everything you need to win a national championship. Now, I'm not saying they're going to because that West region is loaded. You have Arkansas, you have Gonzaga, you have UCLA in that region. So I'm not sitting here saying UConn will do it. What I am saying is they have all the pieces that are needed, size, athleticism, skill, The other thing with UConn, which I think is important to note, I would argue their best player, Jordan Hawkins, he was good but not great in this regional, in Albany. This was a guy that on Friday against Iona did not score a single point in the first half, finishes with 13 points in the game. Same thing on Sunday. He was in foul trouble, finishes once again with 13 points, 12 points, excuse me. And so that's kind of the cool thing about UConn right now is you can legitimately say they're playing well. I don't know that they're playing anything close to the best version of basketball that they can be playing. They head to Vegas. They're going to play Arkansas on Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, whatever you want to say. It'll be afternoon in Vegas, nighttime on the East Coast. Uh, For the UConn fans, for the Arkansas fans that are listening to this show, no, I will not be able to be there in Vegas. Good friend of mine, listener of the Aaron Torres pod, is actually getting married on Friday. Shout out to you. You know who you are. I will be at the wedding on Friday. Don't you worry. UConn next playing Arkansas, and we'll talk about the Arkansas perspective after the break. Uh, some other results that really stood out. You know, one, I want to give credit to a team that, that I had largely given up on going into this tournament. And that is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Now, listen, I, you know, Gonzaga is another one. We have rode the roller coaster with them. I would argue since probably last April or May after the NBA draft deadline. At that point, I said, look, I don't see what everybody else sees with Gonzaga early in the season. It was kind of confirmed. They struggled early. They lost to Baylor. They got destroyed by Texas. They lost to, um, you know, whoever Purdue in the, um, in the PK 85 event, but I want to give them credit in my bracket. And I'm not talking about my bracket right now. I had them losing to TCU. I thought TCU was too athletic, too skilled, gets up the court, super athletic at the guard spot. Gonzaga largely took care of business against the Horn Frogs late Sunday night, the final game of Sunday. It finished around 
12:15 Eastern time. So shout out to all you East Coast uh uh you know people that were watching college basketball until late. But I give Gonzaga a ton of credit because this was a game where I thought TCU's again their athleticism would give Gonzaga fits. What ends up happening? They fall down early. They were the dominant team late. And I'll just say this. I know that the average college basketball fan, if you're not a Gonzaga fan, you don't like Drew Timmy. This kid is unbelievable. 28 points against TCU, eight rebounds. Every big play late in the game seemed to go through him. Really, the entire second half, he seemed to dominate. It was actually very reminiscent, honestly, of the two th- uh, of last year's round of 32 game. They were they were down to uh, Memphis. Then they just fed Drew Timmy play after play after play after play after play. He helps them get the win last year, advance to the Sweet 16 where they lose to Arkansas. Now they're going to the Sweet 16 where they will play UCLA. But I'll be honest, this was a game that I did not have them winning, and I want to give them credit for taking care of business. A couple other results from Sunday. You know, the Marquette-Michigan State game was the one that really obviously stood out. Marquette was the two seed in that East region. Um, And they just, there's nothing to say. I mean, I don't know what there is to say about the Marquette-Michigan State game other than that Michigan State was the better team. Michigan State was the bigger, more physical, more tough team. And this is not a vintage Tom Izzo team that just beats you up down low. But they made Marquette uncomfortable. Marquette on the season has been a great three-point shooting team, a great field goal percentage team. They force a lot of turnovers. And I think that's what Michigan State did better than anything. They almost, you know, we're going to talk about the Tennessee-Duke game here in a minute, but I thought that Michigan State did a good job of dictating the terms of this game. We're going to play in the half court. We're not going to let you sprint out on fast breaks. We're not going to let you make a ton of threes, although Marquette actually shot a pretty good percentage, and we're going to take care of the basketball. Marquette, at its best, wants to play fast, wants to speed you up, wants to make things difficult for you. Michigan State finished with just 13 turnovers. That might sound like a lot. Marquette forced about 21-22 a game. So they actually did a very good job of limiting the turnovers. That is what ultimately, I believe, allowed Michigan State to win. The other thing, Marquette was a guard-driven program. Marquette, you know what? Did not have the best guard on the court on Sunday as Tyson Walker. This kid has been unbelievable for Michigan State. 23 points in this game. Had a bunch of big-time plays late in the game. Michigan State advances, and I will tell you, that East region is so wide open. On one side, we have Michigan State playing. uh, You know, I'm trying to think of who they even play in that game. Uh, I know on one side, we have Tennessee playing Florida Atlantic. On the other side of that East region, which will be on, uh, it'll be on, uh, it'll be on Thursday night in New York City. We'll have coverage, by the way, at AT Media. But on the one side, you have Michigan State playing Kansas State. On the other, you have Florida Atlantic playing Tennessee. You talk about a wide open region, but credit Michigan State, credit Florida Atlantic for winning against Fairleigh Dickinson. Tough, hard fought game. And then, really, the only other results that stood out one, You know, Miami beat Indiana. I'll just say, you know, disappointing end for Indiana because I'll tell you this, man. You know, Indiana with Trace Jackson Davis, I will just tell you this, is that Indiana, I get that they take a lot of crap from a lot of people and deservedly so. They were once upon a time a great program and they have not been that since. 
But Trace Jackson Davis committed, if you remember, to Archie Miller back in the day when it wasn't cool to commit to Indiana. He could have left after his freshman year. Then after his sophomore year, Archie Miller gets fired. He sticks around for Mike Woodson, and then he comes back for a senior year. I thought they had an incredible season, but late down the stretch, they just could not do enough, and they end up losing to Miami. But it's disappointing because Trace Jackson Davis had an All-American season this year. I'm sure some of you have seen the stats, but literally Trace Jackson Davis put up stats that basically only Shaq and Tim Duncan, from a college perspective, have put up over the last 30 years. That's how good he was this year. It's a bummer that Indiana couldn't have a better finish for him. I thought he deserved the stage of a Sweet 16, an Elite Eight, a Final Four. It wasn't meant to be, though. Miami was the better team. And I'll tell you, this is the the, the fickle part of this NCAA tournament, is that Miami was on the ropes against Drake. I think Drake was the better team in round one for probably about 36, 37 minutes of that game. Drake easily could have won. And if they win, I think Indiana's going to the Sweet 16. Instead, Miami holds on to beat Drake. They beat Indiana. And now they will go to the Sweet 16 where they will face Houston on Friday night in Kansas City. Final results that I want to get to, you know, one, Xavier, my guy, Sean Miller, credit to him, man. I mean, listen, you know, gets dragged through the mud. Everything that happens at Arizona, criticized, never ending, even before it fell apart at Arizona. Oh, this guy can't win the big game. He can't win when it matters. Well, he made five Sweet 16s and three Elite Eights at Arizona. Two of those Elite Eights, he lost by one single point. Easily could have gone to multiple Final Fours. It never happens. Goes to Xavier. Year one, he's headed to the Sweet 16 as they beat Pitt. And then the other one, let's stick with the Big East, where Creighton really start to finish took care of business against Baylor. Creighton, I think, is a really good team. 85-76 to was the final score there. Remember, this was a preseason Top 10 team, the preseason Big East favorite, Ryan Nemhard with 30 points in this game. And I will tell you, Creighton is headed to the East Regional. They will play uh, in their side of the bracket. Creighton is, Creighton is, or excuse me, I, I said the East Region. I think I, I'm just calling everything the East Region when I know that that's not the case. Creighton is in the South Region. I want to correct myself. They are in the South Region. They will play on... Uh, Friday night, they will face uh, Princeton. They now have a game against Princeton to go to the Elite Eight where they will face either Alabama or San Diego State. I'm not saying that Crane's going to a Final Four, but they have a very, very advantageous path. So, yeah, I think that's it from the Sunday games. Now, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break, come back, and when I come back, we're going to talk about those Saturday games, Arkansas, Kansas, Tennessee, Duke, um, a lot of stuff. What a weekend. What a freaking weekend. So you're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. It is March. You want to make wagers, and there is no better place to make them than at the Betfred Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod and all things Aaron Torres media. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody. And here's what they're doing for you this March. You can bet $50 on any game this March, any game. And they will give you up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Go to betfredsports.com. Make your first $50 wager. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But then how about this? For the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, you will be insured for up to $200 for the first five weeks. So you you make a few bets and we're all going to win all our bets this March. But if it doesn't work out, they'll give you up to $200 back for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game, 111 in free bets plus up to $200 in free bets in insurance the first five weeks. That is all you got to do. Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Enjoy March, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and uh, go back even further. So I'm back. Now I want to go back. We just did a recap of Sunday's games. But let's go ahead and hit on some of the games from Saturday because Saturday in its own right was a great day of college basketball. And I think the single biggest result that we have to start with, oh, it happened on Saturday afternoon in the beautiful town. At least I hear it's beautiful. I've never actually been of Des Moines, Iowa. There we got a matchup of the top seed in the West region. Kansas Jayhawks, defending national champions. They were playing the Arkansas Razorback, eight seed in that region. Arkansas was about a five, six point underdog. Just one problem, five, six point underdog in the Betfred Sportsbook. Nobody told Eric Musselman and the boys because Arkansas went into Des Moines Arena. I think that's the name of the place. I don't even know what it's called. And they walked out with a thrilling 72 to 71 victory. Over the number one seed of Kansas Jayhawks, the reigning national champions. And as Arkansas gets set to go to its third straight Sweet 16 in Vegas, where they'll face my UConn Huskies. I just got one question for you, baby. Can anything stop the big pick invasion? 
That is right. Can anything stop the big pig invasion? Shout out to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Third straight Sweet 16. We'll see if they get a third straight Elite Eight as they get set to face UConn on uh, on Thursday. We'll get to UConn, Arkansas down the road, but let's talk about this one because this was, you know, and I talked about it a little bit earlier with Kansas State and Kentucky. Just a great college basketball game. It was back and forth, do or die, ebb and flow, peak and valley. Kansas gets up early. Uh, they, they, you know, Arkansas rallies. It's back and forth. You don't think they're going to win. Yeah, the refs weren't great. I'll readily admit it. Uh, you know, I said it with Kansas State, Kentucky earlier. Refs weren't great. Uh, Arkansas had about three, four, five guys fall out. I don't even remember. Devo Davis followed out. Jordan Walsh followed out. One of the Mitchell twins followed out. But this was still a great college basketball game with great intensity, and you could feel it. You could feel every single possession how big it was. But Arkansas rallies, Arkansas figures out a way to win, and Eric Musselman once again is on the table waving his shirt around his head, calling the Hawks. In terms of this game, in terms of why Arkansas won, I I, I think to me what's very interesting is this. What's very interesting to me is that basically why they won is why all college basketball teams generally win, but it's counterintuitive uh, to what we think of when we think of college basketball. Arkansas coming into this year had the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. Nick Smith Jr., Jordan Walsh, Anthony Black, three McDonald's All-Americans, six top 100 players overall. But it was Arkansas's veterans who sealed the deal for them. It was Arkansas's veterans. Remember, this was a team that only brought back two players total from the 2021-2022 season last year's Elite Eight run. Devo Davis and Kamani Johnson. Well, did you watch the game? Did you see who essentially won them the game? Who was the best player during the first during most of the game? Devo Davis, 25 points until he followed out. Who hit maybe the biggest field goal of the game late? Kamani Johnson. Oh, by the way, who kept making big buckets, getting to the rim, making big foul shots? Ricky Council, third-year junior, who's a transfer. And so this is in no way, shape, or form knocking the freshman. It's just a reality that we've known forever, and it stands true. It will withstand the test of time. Big players, big games, big moments. Yeah, sometimes freshmen deliver, but it's very often the older guys that we don't talk about. They're not big-time NBA draft prospects, and they delivered for Arkansas. Devo Davis had maybe the best game of his career as an Arkansas Razorback. 25 points, great perimeter defense, shuts everybody down. We saw him crying after the game. It shows you the emotion of this season. And to me, it shows you what this game meant to Arkansas, right? Because I think a couple of things. I think one, we think that, uh, you know, because you've had success, you you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. Just because Arkansas has had success in past years, back-to-back Elite Eights coming into the 2022-2023 season, it doesn't guarantee anything. And I think that's absolutely positively the case this year with Arkansas. So much hype, but it was such a tough road to get here. And I can't speak to what's going to happen in Vegas when they play UConn and then potentially uh, an Elite Eight game after that. But what I can say is just because Arkansas made an elite eight the last two years, just because they had the uh, a top five, top 10 team coming in, just because they had the number two recruiting class in the country, it didn't guarantee anything this year. And I think what I appreciate and respect the most about Arkansas, and again, we talked about it with Kansas State, it was the journey that they took to get to this moment. Think about everything that Arkansas had to overcome this year. Preseason top 10 team, so much hype. 
Then we find out to start the year, Nick Smith Jr. is going to be available. Then they're rolling. Nick Smith comes back for a game or two. And then Trevin Brazil, who I think is a first-round pick whenever he decides to go to the NBA, he goes down with a season-ending injury. Then Nick Smith goes down with an injury, and we don't know when he'll be back. Then Arkansas starts rolling, and then the second they get it going, you reinsert Nick Smith Jr. into the lineup. Now we find out that the injury is again lingering, and we don't know what's going on with his present and his future, but it just brings up the point that there's nothing guaranteed in this sport. Nothing is promised. You can start in the top two, top five, top ten. Look at this season. North Carolina starts number one in the country. They don't make the NCAA tournament. Kentucky, top ten team, don't make the Sweet 16. Kansas State on the other side, all their struggles, they're in the Sweets, or you know, no hype at all. They're in the Sweet 16. Creighton starts in the top 10, out. Now they're back in. I just bring it up to say nothing's guaranteed and nothing was easy for this Arkansas team, and you could see it on the face of Devo Davis after this game. Finally, what I would say, you already know what I'm going to say. I don't know what else to say there is about Coach Muss. I mean, bottom line, end of story, end of day. This guy has to be considered one of the two, three, four best tournament coaches in the sport, if not the best one overall. And I think this is the reality. Arkansas fans now, this is now year three. Take a deep breath. Next November, next December, when things aren't going good, when you saw when you see flaws in your team, when you see your team struggle out of the gate in SEC play, this is who they are. At the end of the day, a great coach, especially in college basketball, it's not about having your team ready to go day one. It's about, you know, Matt Painter has his team ready to go day one all the time. Eh, what are they doing in March? Nothing. Virginia, top five team in November. What are they doing in March? Nothing. It's about having your team ready to go late in the season. That's exactly what Eric Musselman does for the third year in a row. They are playing on the second weekend. We'll preview that UConn game on probably a Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday show. We'll figure out which one. Very quickly. Uh, from the Kansas perspective, then we'll get to some of the other games. Listen, I don't want to, two things. So, and I always say this, so I want to be careful how I say this. I always say what? In life, two things can be true. And in this case, two things are true when it comes to the Kansas perspective of this game. I'm not saying that Bill Self being, not being available is the reason that they lost this game because that's disrespectful to Arkansas, that's disrespectful to Arkansas's team, their coaching staff, whatever. But I do think this is one of those seasons. You're coming off a national championship, and I do think if you're a Kansas fan, you kind of got to be going into the offseason saying what if, right? Like like every every team has these moments, and we again, we talked about it a little bit with Kentucky. I know I've said that seven times since I started this segment, but we talked about it with Kentucky, is that there are times where... Sometimes you just lose and you don't know what else to say other than shake your head and I can't believe the season is done. And I think that's how Kansas fans have to feel on this day, in this moment, after this game. Arkansas deserved to win. They were the better team. They made more plays down the stretch. But you do have to wonder if this would be different if Bill Self was there. We will never know. And now going forward, all I'll say, I have no insight into Bill Self. He was doing pregame interviews. He was at practices. He was at film. He was at walkthrough. I hope he's okay. I hope we see him on the sideline because um, he is an icon in this sport. I've been critical of him for some of the NCAA stuff. He is a great basketball coach, a great X's and O's coach. Hope we see him back soon. I do think from the Kansas perspective, you kind of got to sit there and say what could have been if you had uh, Bill Self. Let's switch gears. Let's get to some of the other games from Saturday. 
And the next game I want to go to was the second game on Saturday. And if you remember, last year, Tennessee played Michigan in a standalone game early on Saturday, and they lost. It was crushing. It was devastating. I think that was the moment when a lot of people kind of gave up on Rick Barnes ever doing anything at Tennessee. Well, fast forward this year, and how about them Tennessee Vols playing Duke in the East region, in Orlando? And really, if we're going to be blunt about this, dominated from start to finish in a 65-52 win. And let me just say this. One, I'm happy for Rick Barnes. But two, how about that coaching job, right? Because listen, again, I get, so so what I would say about Rick Barnes, I get the criticism and I get the frustration. If I'm going to talk about this being a postseason sport and I'm going to criticize Tony Bennett and I'm going to criticize Matt Painter, I have to criticize Rick Barnes. We know his track record at Texas, and we know what has happened so far since he's come to Tennessee. A lot of great regular seasons, not a lot of great tournament success. At the same time, you want in on a little secret? Rick Barnes coached circles around John Shire on Saturday. What was so impressive to me was, listen, Tennessee plays a certain style of basketball, and they have to double down on that style more than ever before Because of the injury to Sakai Ziegler, their starting point guard. They are always physical, always tough, always defensive-minded. Offense is always secondary. Now imagine offense being secondary in a moment when you lost your starting point guard for the season. And so the one thing I will give Rick Barnes credit to, and Tennessee in general, I've never gotten the sense that since Sakai Ziegler got hurt, that they have quit on, on themselves or on the team or on their coaching staff or whatever. Even the game he got hurt, they beat Arkansas. Then they lose the regular season finale. They go to the SEC tournament. They beat Ole Miss. Easily could have beaten Missouri. Go to the NCAA tournament. It's a struggle against Louisiana, but of course they beat Louisiana. And now they beat Duke in a game where Rick Barnes and Tennessee dictated tempo. The only thing I would say, I know there's a lot of people that aren't Tennessee fans. Oh, they're dirty. Oh, they're this. Oh, they're that. All I'll say. That's not on you to decide. That's not on me to decide. That's not on Jay Billis to decide. That's on the refs to decide. And what I saw was a tough physical game. The refs let a lot of stuff go. And at some point, as a coach and as a team, you have to adjust. And I thought once it was determined that this was the way the game was going to be played, I thought Tennessee did a good job of pushing the envelope and making Duke uncomfortable. Duke finished the game. Shooting 42% from the field, 27% from three, 15 total turnovers in this game. Tennessee, without a starting point guard, only nine turnovers. And so I want to give Tennessee credit because they dictated things. They determined things. They decided how this game was going to be played, and Duke never caught up. And I'll be honest, I can't sit here and say that um, I picked this game and I said, oh, Duke's getting smoked by Tennessee. But I did see the scenario where young Duke team on a roll, used to kind of taking care of business, haven't played really anybody like Tennessee in a long time, where I could see him struggle. But I didn't see this coming. Credit to the Tennessee Vols for getting the win. And lastly, let me say this. I I am happy for Rick Barnes, right? I I don't know Coach Barnes well. I've had him on the podcast a few times, whatever. But I bring it up to say what I said to start this part on Tennessee. I get the frustration from Tennessee fans and I get the college basketball fans that say this Rick Barnes guy, he ain't it. I get that there have been moments where he has had disappointment in the NCAA tournament, even since he's gotten to Tennessee. But what I'll also say is 
this felt like the year that Tennessee's fan base had given up on Rick Barnes. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's over, you know, not that it's over. Like we need him to go, but just, we're going to win. This is what I think most Tennessee fans thought. We're going to win a lot of regular season games. We're going to get beat in the postseason too early. And that's our, our, that's our life as a Tennessee basketball fan. And so I think that that criticism or commentary about Rick Barnes has been fair. I thought this year, though, he got a little too much heat relative to the reality of his situation. Because I think he's had a pretty tough go of it. Josiah Jordan James, fourth year senior, missed 12 games in and out of the lineup with injury. Santiago Viscovi, fourth year senior, in and out of the lineup with injury. Zakai Ziegler, out for the year. And this team has kept battling. They've kept fighting. Happy for Rick Barnes. Now, you're headed to New York. You're going to the Sweet 16, and you got a very favorable matchup. But I've covered Tennessee athletics long enough to know you never put the cart before the horse when it comes to Tennessee. But congrats on a great win against Duke. Let's rip through some of the other results from Saturday. You know, first off, just an awesome, awesome, awesome game. Uh, The second game in Des Moines after uh, Kansas-Arkansas, it was Texas-Penn State. I mean, this one was awesome. Credit to Penn State for making this a game, making it competitive. There was a moment in the second half where it looked like they were going to win this game. But credit to Texas for making the plays late. Texas at one point was down late in the second half. They were down, they you know, back against the wall. I know these are like I'm dropping every sports cliche possible, but I mean, Texas was with what? I'm trying to do the math here off the top of my head. With four minutes to go, they were down by three points. And Penn State had all the momentum. And you really felt like, oh, my God, Penn State's going to win this and we're going to have another upset. Texas makes the plays. Texas rallies. Texas now advances to the Sweet 16 in the Midwest region in Kansas City. The only thing I really have to say about Texas, one, I will say in a wide open tournament, why can't Texas win the national championship? They're veteran, veteran guards. They have NBA talent good coaching. And that's really the only other thought I have on Texas is that I, you know, I don't know what Texas is going to do from the beginning. I have been told, and I believe that they really want to go after a big name coach as their next head coach following the firing of Chris Beard in December. I bring it up to say Rodney Terry, the interim is making a heck of a compelling case that this should be his job full time. Rodney Terry, the interim, took over a brutal off-court situation. We all know what it was. We don't need to relitigate it. But since the day Rodney Terry took over, Texas was 7-1 and one at the time. Well, guess what they are right now? Texas is 28-8, and eight, meaning they're 21-7 and seven since the day he took over in the toughest conference in college basketball. They're the Big 12 Conference Tournament titles, finished second in the regular season, and oh, by the way, are headed to the Sweet 16. Now, you can criticize. You could say, oh, you know, Chris Beard left the cover full, and that's fully true. But this team plays loose. This team clearly cares about Rodney Terry. And here's my question. One, Rodney Terry was a good coach when he was a head coach. Fresno State's a tough job. UTEP's a tough job. But here's the bigger question. Chris Beard kind of laid out the blueprint, right? This is Texas. You're headed to the SEC. This is the NIL era. And I don't know what they're 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 offering in NIL, but I can't imagine that Texas is falling behind very many people. And so I think Chris Beard, we can criticize him 
I think justifiably for a lot. But I think he kind of just showed how good this job can be, especially in the NIL era, especially as you're going to the SEC. So why shouldn't Rodney Terry get a shot? Why shouldn't Rodney Terry get a chance? I think he can have success there. I think he can win there. I think he's done enough to earn the job. Really quickly, ripping through some of the other scores from Saturday, you know, a couple things stand out. One, I want to give credit to uh, one specific team that I've loved all year, the San Diego State Aztecs. San Diego State played the early game, and it was a laugher. It was a lot to a little. They win by 23 points. Um, and I'll just say really quick, so their next matchup is with Alabama. I'm not saying they beat Alabama, but San Diego State is an elite defensive team. San Diego State has length, athleticism, NBA-type bodies. They're built to give Alabama trouble. Now, I don't know if they have enough scoring to keep up with Alabama, but this is a team that can give Alabama fits. I'll be fascinated to watch this game in Louisville, Kentucky on Friday night. Shout out to Brian Dutcher. By the way, I don't know if you saw Brian Dutcher's post-game video, but he basically said, like, look, He's like, I, you know, I like my guys. He basically said, like, somebody might beat us at some point, but I haven't seen the team that I don't feel good going up against with this group in this locker room. And I know coaches say that all the time. Sometimes it's hyperbole. I think in this case, it was a thousand percent accurate. Fascinated to see them play Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, um, you know, listen, they they destroyed Maryland. And again, we can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about the off the court situation with Brandon Miller. Let me say this, though. There was an interesting stat that came out about Alabama about essentially that they had the biggest margin of victory ever relative to the shooting percentages that they had. They shot 39% from the field, 28% from from the three-point line, and they were still able to beat Maryland by 22 points. That goes to what I have told you from day one against this team, about this team. Everybody wants to focus on Nate Oates. Everybody wants to focus on three-pointers, spacing, shots at the rim. Okay, cool, hook them. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. They are elite, and they are a national championship contender because of that defense, because of what they do at the rim with Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Noah Gurley, um, Nick Pringle. They are an elite defensive team. That is what carried them on Saturday. I think we're going to get a classic on Friday when they play San Diego State. Really quickly, a couple other scores. How about Houston? You know I love those Cougars, baby. Love me some Cougars. They were down 10 and half and destroyed Auburn. They win by 17 points. How about that? So they outscored her by 27 points in the second half. Listen, I was critical of Houston after that opening round win against, uh, against uh, uh, Northern Kentucky. Maybe this was the butt kicking that they needed, the kick in the butt they needed to get going. They take care of business. Houston is now headed to the Midwest Regional. Uh, really excited to see them in their next opponent. They'll be in, in Kansas City again. Um, I think that's really it. By the way, how about this? I didn't even mention. Princeton, 15 seed, Sweet 16. Great story. Credit to them. Credit to Mitch Henderson. They beat Missouri. I didn't bet any games on Saturday, but this would have been one of the ones that I bet. This would have been the one, like, I like Missouri. They're going to roll Missouri to the Sweet 16. Instead, Princeton gets the win. UCLA beats Northwestern to advance. And I think I just covered everything that happened on Saturday. And with that said, I think it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, that, that's it. That's all for today's show. Uh, here's the thing. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. 
Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Hit us up on YouTube. Just about to pass 21K subscribers on YouTube. So much appreciation for everything you guys do there. Um, As for the schedule this week, a few of you are already asking. We'll probably do a Tuesday show, sort of look ahead. We'll try to figure it out. We'll try to see what the landscape is. Maybe there will be some news on Georgetown, on Rick Pitino, on St. John's by then. So we'll probably do a Tuesday show. And then I think Wednesday, Thursday, we'll do the mega preview. We'll talk UConn, Arkansas. We'll talk all these other big games that I am so excited about. And oh, by the way, Arkansas fans, UConn fans, if I somehow make it out to Vegas, we're throwing ourselves a fun party on Thursday before the games. I will let you know. But with that said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. I appreciate your support. Busy weekend of college basketball, but it was a fun one. Uh, and I think that's it for today's show. So thank you guys and girls for listening. It's time for me to go. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F-head unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Tuesday. Don't know what we'll be talking, but we'll have a new episode. Aaron Torres, Sports Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.